0: Greetings from the quarantined classic city. I am Jamie Cheek. This is a view from the couch. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been a while, and it's been a while for a good reason. Obviously, we are in unprecedented times in our nation, in our world, and obviously that includes the world of sports. With no sports, there hasn't been anything to talk about. I've gotten the itch a couple times, you know. Uh, some NFL trades, some uh, recruiting announcements, small things like that, but nothing that would actually give us a reason to, uh, to try to ask you to spend between 20 and 40 minutes listening to me talk about sports. So I'm very excited today to have the NFL draft. I think we should all be very grateful for the NFL draft because it gives us something else to think about. So, um, Today, I hope this podcast will be a little bit of an escape. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know if seasons will continue uh, for like the NBA and MLS. We don't know if the baseball season will ever get started. And maybe most frightening of all, we, we have no idea if this NFL season or the college football season will actually start, if it will start on time, if it will be delayed. We, we don't know anything right now. And I think that pretty much goes for all areas of our world. But for the next little bit, rather than focusing on all of the questions that we won't be able to get answered, we're going to focus on the NFL draft and a lot of questions about NFL teams that we are going to get answered over the next three days. So put away everything having to do with the pandemic and all of the political questions and all of the Uh, different things that go into everything that has consumed our lives as it relates to this pandemic. And for just the next little while, let's just pretend like it's the Thursday, it's the NFL draft, it's round one in prime time tonight, and that that's really important, even though we know it's truly not. I want to jump in today and just kind of do a round one preview, okay? Uh, we're going to have a lot of content over the next few days. Like I said, I've been itching. I've been wanting to uh, produce some podcasts. I've been wanting to put some content out, just nothing to talk about. So we are going to use this excuse over the next few days. So today we have a, a round one preview. Obviously, the draft is it kicks off tonight at 8 o'clock. Um, you're going to be able to see that on ESPN and ABC. Uh, like I said, everybody's starving for content right now and then the draft will continue on Friday night at 5 or at 7, excuse me. And then Saturday it will conclude with the the last rounds. The coverage for the last round starting at noon. Let's just go ahead and get out of the way that what we perceive to be the NFL draft, what we associate with the NFL draft It's going to be a lot different. This is going to be a virtual NFL draft. There won't be the moment of Roger Goodell walking onto the stage in front of thousands of people in an auditorium somewhere only to be booed and yelled at and hissed at as if he were Satan himself. We're not going to get the awkward hugs as Roger Goodell hugs all first round picks as if they have been best friends and they haven't seen each other in a while. Uh, We're not going to get the audible Noises in the room, the surprise, the excitement, or if they when they used to have the draft in New York every year, uh, the booze. No matter what the Jets did, everybody was going to boo. We're not going to have that same ambiance surrounding this year's draft, and and on a certain level. It's kind of appropriate that, even though we might be able to get ourselves lost a little bit in what's going on with the draft we we won't be able to escape even in an escape. you can't escape what's happening right now, so the methodology that we're going to be seeing tonight is obviously a lot different than what we're used to, but we'll still start out with talking about the draft in round one tonight in prime time, you know. It's going to be very interesting to see, as it always is, how things play out. Now, Joe Burrow is the number one pick. He's going to go to the Cincinnati Bengals. He's going to be a Bengals. And even the Bengals can't bungle this pick. Anybody that had the number one pick this year, unless for some god-awful reason you had the number one pick but didn't need a quarterback, you'd be taking Joe Burrow. The year that he had at LSU, obviously the undefeated season, but just his level of play leading them to a national championship and the way that he did it – was amazingly impressive. And the Bengals, to their credit, they don't seem to have at any point throughout this entire process overthought this. They're sitting there at one. They need a quarterback. Joe Burrow seems to be the best quarterback out there. He seems to be NFL ready. And the poise and everything that he showed this year showed that he is, to me at least, the, the obvious number one pick. And it seems like the Bengals will get that right. Uh, I don't want to go pick by pick. To me, Burrow going one, you have to give the top pick the credit. So he's the first thing we're going to talk about. But very, very quickly, we're going to get to what I believe is the most interesting part of this draft, and that's Tua. Obviously, in November, the third week of November, Tua goes down with the injury against Mississippi State, uh, dislocated his hip. For a lot of us old-timers like me, that is the same injury that pretty much cost Bo Jackson his career. He was a transcendent athlete in the the late 80s and early 90s and after he had a hip dislocation he was never the same and and it pretty much ended up costing him both his football and baseball careers Tua's injury the the risk and the reward that come along with Tua is exactly what the NFL draft is all about it's a microcosm of what everything is when it comes to the NFL draft if you take Tua And it's Tua that we've seen the last couple of years. You know, he's not Burrow, okay? He's not that kind of just traditional. It makes the GM feel good that he can go out there and pick somebody that even if they don't hit, you know, nobody in their right mind wouldn't be taking Burrow right now. So even if it doesn't work out for the Bengals, the general manager, the coach, all those people, they may lose their jobs, but they're not going to lose their jobs because they took Joe Burrow. With Tua, he's not that kind of talent. He's not that kind of quarterback. Just because his style is still something, as we've seen in the last couple of years with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, it's, the NFL is transitioning to be more accepting of these dual-threat quarterbacks, these quarterbacks that can do it all and, and that are supremely athletic. Um, and Tua is somewhere between a dual-threat quarterback and a pocket passer, right? So he's he's not the Lamar Jackson level athlete but he's also not Peyton Manning standing back there in the pocket without the ability to move so Tua I don't think given everything that's happened this year even without the injury I don't think he would have been the number one pick but you could take Tua his health never be a problem him have a 10 or 12 year career and you'll be a genius your team will make the playoffs because he's a very good quarterback or you could take Tua his health never really work itself out. And it could be the biggest mistake as a GM that you ever make. So there, to me at least doesn't seem to be a whole lot of middle ground when it comes to the Tua. I don't see Tua having, you know, a, a kind of career like Andy Dalton, where he's a starter for a long time. He's fine. He's, he's good. He has some years that are better than others. He hangs around and he's a seven or eight or nine year starter in the NFL. But, you know, I, he's not going to, Tua's not going to be Matt Ryan. Oh, well, you know, lead your team to the playoffs and and, and be good, but maybe not that top tier guy. To me, it is boom or bust when it comes to Tua. Either his health is there and he is going to be an excellent NFL quarterback or his health isn't there and you are wasting what is in the NFL a complete goal mine and a number one pick. So what happens with Tua, where he's taken, and then what that means for that franchise moving forward to me is the most interesting story of the entire night. Now, most of the talk for the last few weeks have been that the Dolphins at five were ready to take Tua, that he was their guy. They had kind of settled on him. And the last couple of days, there's been some reports that the Dolphins are high on Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon. So if Tua doesn't go to the Dolphins at five, the I guess the the next obvious choice would be going at uh, at six right after to uh, the Chargers. The Chargers, you know, they've, they've moved on from Phillip Rivers, so they need a quarterback. So it will be interesting as everything plays out tonight. You know, I think it's kind of assumed that three quarterbacks will go in the top th- six picks, Burrow obviously at one, and then that Tua and, Her- and Justin Herbert go somewhere in there. But what if, what if the Chargers, and I've seen a couple mock drafts, I think Todd McShay had it, what if the Chargers go with Jordan Love? or or somebody else, or if they go away from quarterback, or if they trade the pick. It will be interesting to see if we get that slide. We've seen it before. We saw it with Aaron Rodgers. Um, That slide where, you know, in in a normal circumstance, the the green room where all the players, the highly draftable players, would be sitting there with their families. And every time a pick is made, the first image you see is the player that's just gotten selected. And the second image you see is the player that is sliding. So, Tua won't have that experience tonight, but it will be interesting to see if those teams at the top of the draft, in those top five, six, seven picks, if they're a little bit nervous about taking Tua, and if they are, then how far does he slide? And so... That will be, to me at least, the most interesting aspect of the night, which it could all be over by pick five, right? So the Dolphins could take Tua, and it could be, okay, well, we know the answer now, and now we can move on to the other interesting parts of the draft. Chase Young to Washington seems like as much of a done deal as Burrow going to Cincinnati. Um, So Chase Young, obviously the Ohio State defensive end. They keep calling him the the edge. I, I don't know when that started. I don't remember you know, defensive ends being talked about as edge players instead of just calling them a defensive end. i I guess what they're trying to say is that he could be an outside linebacker in a three, four, or he can be a, or an edge rusher in a four, three I, to me, we're overcomplicating complicating thing. Um, but whatever, um, Chase Young, even though he went to Ohio State, he's from the Maryland area. So being drafted by the Redskins makes all the sense in the world. Now, reports have been that some teams, including our own beloved Atlanta Falcons, have tried to get up to number two uh, to draft Chase Young, but it doesn't seem that Washington is very interested in that. And and again, a lot like um uh, Joe Burrow at one, it it just seems like if you if you had a pick and Chase Young is on the board and, you know, again. Burrow, at that point, being off the board, it seems like that's just the obvious pick to make. So sometimes these general managers can get in their head when they overthink things. To me, the draft will kind of pivot at three. So Burrow is going to go one. By all indications, Chase Young is going to go two, and that's going to be Washington, unless I don't know what the Falcons or any other team would have to do to be able to pry that pick away from Washington. But at three, you have the Lions. And many different things could happen here, okay? So you could see the Lions go ahead and take, you know, I've seen Jeff Okuda, um, cornerback from Ohio State. Uh, I've seen Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. I've seen Derek Brown from Auburn. This is also a pick that if somebody needed to get ahead of the Dolphins and the Chargers and take the quarterback that they want, you could see Tua at three or – You could see Justin Herbert at three. If somebody that's maybe a little bit farther back in the draft says, hey, I got to get above those guys to get my quarterback, you could see somebody like the Raiders or, you know, Lord knows who could come up and try to, uh, to get into the top five. And then who knows where this is going. So the Lions are at three. And like I said, that's kind of the pivot point. As you start working through it, you know you look at the the different teams that have a lot of picks, Jacksonville, Miami, and New England all have fifteen picks in the entire draft, obviously not in the first round. that would be a record um The Lions and the Vikings have fourteen picks, the Panthers have thirteen picks um If you're wondering just out of curiosity, what team has the fewest number of picks in the n f l draft for twenty twenty well, that would be of course. The pride of Atlanta. The Falcons only have six picks in this draft. Um, shocker. And they're still looking to move up, which is, we'll get to the Falcons in a minute. To me, at this point, you know, we're kind of focusing on the first round. Miami, three first round picks. Three first round picks for the Dolphins. Uh, Jacksonville and the Raiders and the Vikings all have two first round picks. So some teams there, you know, specifically I guess Jacksonville would be a team that I would point to and say, You know, they have a lot of picks in the draft. They're tied for the most with 15 overall. They have two first rounders. Maybe they're the team that decides, hey, we love Justin Herbert or we love Tua. We're going to go up and we're going to get that player no matter what it costs us. And and having an extra first round pick, maybe it makes them feel like they can go up and make that kind of significant move. The most interesting team in the NFL right now, as much as it makes me want to vomit a little bit. To, to talk about it and to think about it, it's it's got to be Tampa, right? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers who, you know, with Jameis Winston at the helm the last few years, I mean, this is the team that the Falcons beat in the last game of the season with a walk-off pick six, right? So everything we know about Tampa has changed. Tom Brady. I haven't said it out loud yet. Tom Brady is the new quarterback of your Tampa Bay Buccaneers and his key uh, tight end is going to be Rob Gronkowski. This is a nightmare for the NFL, NFC South and for the Falcons. I mean, just an absolute nightmare. You're talking, who knows who's going to be the quarterback right now in, um, in Carolina for the Panthers. Cam Newton era is over. But You're talking about in the division, you know you have to go against Drew Brees and Tom Brady twice this upcoming season? Are you kidding me? What did we do to deserve this? But Tampa with the 14th pick, obviously with everything happening with that franchise right now, it's just going to be so intriguing, not to just see how the draft plays out, you know, with Brady. I mean, Brady's not a spring chicken, obviously. So if Tampa... They, by going and getting Brady, by signing Gronkowski and trading for him and doing all the things that they've done over the past, they're in win now mode. So you would imagine that almost all of their picks will be centered around getting, you know, starter level players that are ready to come in and contribute right away that fit in, not into a three or a five year plan, but in a one or two year plan. So it will be interesting to see what Tampa does, not just with the 14th pick in the first round, but just throughout this entire draft, to see how they build this team, uh, you know, around Tom Brady, I, I, if you can't tell, I'm still, I'm still shook by it. Uh, the the idea that perhaps the greatest quarterback, well, probably the greatest quarterback in the history of football, is in Tampa Bay, and and the Falcons are going to have to play him twice this year is just nauseating. Um, you just keep expecting that that year. You know, you remember the year that. Peyton Manning that he led the Broncos to the Super Bowl, but he wasn't Peyton Manning. You know, like he the, it was obvious that his skill level had dropped off significantly since his peak. We haven't necessarily seen that happen with Tom Brady yet. God, I hope it happens this year. I really do. We knew we moved now from a view of the entire league to focus on our beloved Atlanta Falcons. Um and just to kind of recap how the Falcons managed to end up with the 16th pick in a season that nobody cared about. Uh, they started out one and one and eight I believe. I didn't write this down. This is what happens when I don't write one thing down. Uh, I believe the Falcons started out one and eight and somehow managed to finish the season seven and nine. Even that last game, I referenced it just a moment ago talking about the game against Tampa where Winston threw the pick six to walk off not only that game, not only the 2019 season, but apparently his Tampa Bay career. Uh, sorry, as much as Brady being in Tampa makes me sick, the idea of Jameis' last pass as a Buccaneer being a pick six to end the season and end the game, is that makes me smile. So I at least appreciate that. Um Had the Falcons lost that game, the worst they would be picking tonight is 11th. They could be as high as 9th. I mean, there's all kinds of what-ifs. I mean, so many games down the stretch that, you know, you you get to a certain point in the season. And, you know, the the concept of tanking, nobody wants to talk about that in September. But when it's early November and you suck and you're not going to make the playoffs, why then they turn it on, save Dan Quinn's job, I just, I don't know. They should be picking, like, fourth or fifth tonight. They shouldn't be sitting here uh, picking 16th. But I digress. That's where we are. So the question at 16 is, what do they do? Because it seems like maybe more than any other team in the entire draft, with as few draft picks as they have, I I noted just a moment ago, we only have six picks in tonight's draft, or in in this year's draft, they seem, like, really, really determined to move up. So... I feel like Thomas Dimitrov has kind of gotten this ants in his pants kind of drafting before. You know, He moved up early in his career with Atlanta, and he, you know, he goes up and he gets um, Julio Jones. And obviously, that could go down as one of the best trades in the history of the franchise. Julio is a, an all-pro, an all-time player, and still, this many years later, still an absolute beast. But it seems like that move that worked out so well where we, you know, Atlanta gave up a lot to get up there and get Julio, it seems like that's made Thomas Dimitrov feel like that needs to be his his MO is to go up and and make trades and, and and move up. The problem with moving up is exactly why Atlanta has only six picks this year. We've been trading picks away for years. You know, where a team is like Miami or Jacksonville, 15 picks, we have six. You know, I mean, obviously, if a lot of those are, you know, fifth, sixth and seventh round picks, you know, you're going to hit on some of those, but those are not going to be the backbone of your team. But the fact that Atlanta just consistently trades away picks and trades away players when there's obvious holes on this team, I think there, there has to be a balance there. And for whatever reason, he seems just content. Now, the reason I criticize this is, you know, it's not—at least in my view—and what it seems like coming from the beat writers that are closest to the team—the number one priority has seemed to be to move up, to move up to where and for whom has almost been the secondary consideration. It's like he's so content or so determined to move up that he just wants to get up in the draft, a higher pick, and then figure out what he needs to do when he gets there. I think that's asinine. I—I I, I can't believe that somebody that's in a successful position like general manager of a pro football team could have that mindset, but I don't know how else to read it. I haven't seen a lot of stories that says, hey, you know, he's got his eye on Derek Brown. Even the Chase Young story. When I saw that, like I was intrigued, but at the same time, it's like the Falcons are thinking they're going to be able to go from 16 to two. Really? Like, what does that cost? That costs obviously the 16th pick this year. You're going to trade the pick probably a second this year. Do you have to throw in next year's first? Do you have to throw in next year's second? Like, I, I don't even know. But from 16 to 2 seems crazy. So, hey, we want to move up, you know. But it, it's not like we have a singular player. Like, if you told me, you know, Derek Brown, that's the guy we want. Or if you told me that Jeff Okuda or Isaiah Simmons, that's the guy we want. And then they were trying to plot to see where they thought that player was going to go and what they where they would have to move to get that player. It, I could buy into that that level of thinking and that kind of method of thinking but hey we want to move up because that's what we do and when we get there we'll figure it out to me is just a complete and total recipe for disaster the other option I mean obviously there's two other options and we're going to cover both of them is what if you move down you know if if in your mind you're and in my mind I'll just go ahead and say it Okuda Simmons and Browns those are the three guys you know we need a cornerback I know a lot of uh a lot of projections have us going with CJ Henderson from Florida or uh AJ Terrell from Clemson. Either one of those players would be fine, but to me there's a big drop off between the number 1 cornerback in Okuda and then the rest of these guys. And that's not to say that Henderson's not good or that Terrell's not good. That's not the point. What I'm saying is you, you got an elite guy in Okuda and then when you start getting into Henderson, Terrell, and then there's some other guys even later in the first round, that are projected to go later in the first round, that to me are kind of all the same. Derrick Brown, obviously a defensive lineman. I know we just went out and got Dante Fowler, but to get a guy like Derek Brown or a guy, to me, my number one choice here. Okay, if they're gonna move up, I want Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. To me, he is a transitional player at a position in linebacker that we need help in. He's a guy you could plug in for the next 10 or 12 years, to be a pro bowler all the time, an all-pro a few years, an anchor for the defense, okay? So, that's my dream scenario. Is there some way they can get Isaiah Simmons? Now, I've seen Simmons going as high as three in some drafts. So, like, I don't think that's going to happen, but if it were me and I were trying to figure out a way to move up in this draft to get a specific player, that player would be Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. So, If you're not going to move up, I think at 16, and you never really know how the draft's going to come at you. And to me, that's why it's so fun. Maybe more fun than some actual football games or even sporting events in general. Like To see how the draft comes at you, what if there's a situation where your pick has now become a pick that somebody needs to move into? you know, and you can really maybe drop down three or four spots and still get a guy you want, you never know before the draft how things are going to go like that. What if Tua slides? If Tua slides and then the Falcons are sitting there at 16 and there's somebody, I I mean, I'm not going to get into any kind of like actual speculation, but if there's somebody that's maybe in the 20s, early 20s, who is going to give up a lot for Tua, because they now all of a sudden they, they didn't think they could get up to four or five to get Tua, but now he slid down to six t- you know, he's he's still on the board at sixteen. We gotta go get him. Well now the you're on the clock. You've only got ten minutes, you can hold him up for what you need to. So I don't know that moving back, I wouldn't want to move out of the first round. This team has too many needs for that. But if you could move back a couple spots and pick up, you know, maybe a two next year, or if it's for a guy like Tua, you might be able to get more than that depending on who the team is and how far they want to move up. So it's, um to me, I'm intrigued by the concept of moving down, not just in this draft, but just in general. When you get into those mid-round picks, there's just, it's very situational. It's a best player on the board kind of thing. And if you see Okuda and Henderson both go off of the board in the top 10 or 12 picks, the Falcons got to be looking to move down. You can't just take somebody Oh, we're going to take the best player available. Well, if the best player available is an offensive lineman, you don't need that. So, what what are you doing? You know, are we we're just going to take a running back for fun. I mean, uh, a wide receiver I've seen a lot of time. A lot of the mock drafts have a lot of receivers going around the Falcons. We're going to take another receiver just because, well, best player available. It it's so situational at that point in the draft. So, I think there might be an opportunity if the Falcons choose not to move up and don't pay the Kings ransom to go up and get a player like Isaiah Simmons or a Derrick Brown. Maybe you see them drop back three, four, five, six picks and pick up some picks in this year's draft or in future drafts and and kind of set this up for there's not one hole on this team. Okay. There's a lot of holes on this team. And I don't care if we're drafting in the middle rounds. Last year was an aberration. No, I don't know which part of the season was an aberration if the one and eight was an aberration or if the going six and two to finish everything out or six and one whatever it was if that was an aberration one of them is an aberration my my guess is we're more closer to the one and eight than we are to the six and one that's just my read on it but if they stay at six or if they stay at 16 excuse me it's probably going to be a cornerback they they lie they lost. They gave up Desmond Trufant, you know, other position needs, you know, even though they went and they got Dante Fowler and they got uh, Todd Gurley, the positions of defensive end, linebacker, and at some point in this draft, running back are going to have to be addressed. Uh, Safety is another place. They're not going to go safety at 16, I hope, Um, but, you know, second round pick safety, something like that, and Every year we have the same conversation and every year I say the same thing. At some point, the Falcons have to start thinking about the future. And that's probably, and more likely than not, a future that doesn't include Matt Ryan. So they're not going to take a quarterback at 16, but over, you know, at some point on Friday in rounds two, three, and four, do we see the Falcons go ahead and go get somebody like a Jason e- Jacob Eason or... uh Jake Fromm, you know, to to come in and 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 not necessarily be the heir apparent, but pick a guy in the middle or late end of the draft that can come in and, and be maybe more of a viable backup to see if you can find somebody that that surprises you. Obviously, Tom Brady is the the example. That's not the right example because that's never going to happen again. A six round pick being the greatest quarterback in the history of football, but that kind of concept you you're going to do better if you're talking about a replacement you're going to do better than not trying to go in the 3rd round, the 4th round, the 5th round and and taking somebody that might be able to develop over the next year or two rather than at least for me rolling the dice on a guy like Jordan Love. You know, we saw a couple of years ago, I think seven quarterbacks go in the top 10 picks and most of those guys or some of those guys, let's say, have already kind of been thrown to the side as as not the franchise quarterbacks that they were drafted as. So for the Falcons, there's so many when, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm lamenting the fact that they're they're picking 16th. But when you're in that position in the middle of the first round, there's all the options are on the board. Moving up is on the board. Moving back is on the board. Obviously staying there and taking the pick at 16 is on the board. So it's going to be interesting as we work towards, you know, the 10th, 11th, and 12th picks in the draft, kind of that time period to see who's on the board, who's still there. If there's anybody sliding, does the Falcons try to move up and get them? And and how does this draft come to the Falcons? Um, when this team, it has the star power at the top to compete. It doesn't have the depth in the roster it needs to compete. So whether it's through free agency or obviously, preferably it would be through this draft, but you know, only having six picks, I think, you know, if if you bat 667 in this draft that means you've got four players that you're going to be able to depend on uh, I'm not sure that's enough I, I, I'm really not sure if that's enough so I think it might be a little bit unrealistic to think you can fix all your needs in this draft but hopefully the Falcons will be able to figure out a way to fix some of their needs. We'll finish up today with a quick preview from the Georgia point of view. Uh, The dogs are going to have at least one first round pick tonight. Um, Andrew Thomas, the tackle, will be going. I've seen him going as high as 10. I've seen him going as low as like 13 or 14. Somebody, you know, eight, nine could get excited and take him. Uh, But he is going to go pretty high in this draft. So you have one first round pick, at least for the dogs, Swift and Isaiah Wilson, could be. I've seen uh, Isaiah Wilson lately has been moved or has been talked about a good bit kind of in that late 20s range. Um, I actually have seen, I think, more than one mock draft where he was going to the Dolphins at 27. Um, For Swift, it's just the value of running backs, right? So most people have him as the first running back coming off the board, but if whether that's like right at the end of the first round or right at the beginning of the second round, he's right in that Sony, Michelle, Nick Chubb area. You remember a few years ago, the Patriots come back into the first round to take uh, Sony, I think with the 31st or 32nd pick in the first round, which would be right at the very end of the first round. And then Chubb went like second or third pick in the first or in the second round to Cleveland. So that is exactly where I think we'll see Deandre Swift go at the very tail end of tonight or the very beginning of tomorrow. Either way, i going to have it. You know, I think we're going to end up having three dogs taken pretty early in this draft. So obviously from the Georgia standpoint, there's going to be more than that, more guys than those uh, drafted over the next few days, but it's all going to be all eyes are on Jake Fromm. Um, I don't know how everybody's feeling. We haven't really, (sighs) with the sports world being disrupted, we haven't had spring practice this past Saturday. was supposed to be G-Day. We should be, you know, talking about Jamie Newman and all the fun things that we should be getting ready for for this fall, but the circumstances are what they are. But you've got a junior in Jake Fromm that left school early, and he is not being considered as a first-round pick at this point. And pretty much right after he announced, it was kind of a consensus that he was not going to be a first-round pick. Um, for me, whether it's a quarterback or anybody else, if you're not going to be drafted in the first round, I'm not exactly sure if you're definitely not going to be drafted in the first round. I'm not really sure why you'd leave school early. So the Jake Fromm piece for me is very interesting over the next few days. He will not hear his name called tonight unless something miraculous happens, uh, or crazy, depending on your point of view, but he probably will hear his name called on Friday night in the second, third, fourth rounds of the draft. um, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes for Jake Fromm. Jacob Eason kind of in that same boat. He left Washington. He still had a year of eligibility out there, but he decides to leave. So a bit of a Georgia tie there with Eason. The one last thing I want to talk about today as it pertains to this draft and teams that need quarterbacks is to just kind of think about it. And I know this, this next season, and I, told, I said we weren't going to talk a lot about the virus, but this season, this next season is, is up in the air. I mean, we, we have to be able to admit that there is at least a chance that this season is not played. Now, how things would work if this season is not played as it pertains to a potential 2021 draft, who knows? OK, but if I need a quarterback and I'm not the number one pick taking Burrow, I, I don't know if I don't have one eye on Trevor Lawrence next year. Now, if this was a normal situation, are you just going to throw away an entire season for a chance to maybe draft a guy? I, no. But you know, if if this season doesn't happen and you come back next year and there's some way they figure out that, you know, what the draft order is going to be or something, I don't even know how that would work. I don't even know how to begin to speculate how it would work. But when I look into the next year's draft and I see Trevor Lawrence sitting there to me as the guy that would have been the number one pick after his freshman year of college, would have been the number one pick last year. He would have been the number one pick today. Okay. All this talk about Jerry Burrow and how amazing he is. If Trevor Lawrence was in this draft, Trevor Lawrence would be the number one pick. So when you have that kind of talent, I I just wonder if you're not keeping an eye out and maybe the Chargers or somebody like that, maybe they go a different direction and they keep an eye and say, hey, you know what, even if we play this season and we just completely suck, Trevor Lawrence wouldn't be that bad. For my friend Jeremy Timmerman, I will say, if if everything got canceled and we're here next year getting ready and they keep the same draft order and that's just the way they decide to do it, what you would see is the Washington Redskins get Chase Young this year and Trevor Lawrence next year, and being a Clemson fan, and a Washington Redskins fan, I think Jeremy just got a, a tear of joy in his eye if he actually listens to this. So um, obviously I do not think that's going to happen, but it's just funny to me with the teams that need quarterbacks, especially the teams that aren't in that top five or six. If you're not going to get uh Justin Herbert, and obviously Burrow going to the Bengals, you know, when, when you get down to Jordan Love and you start talking about From and eason and all of these guys do do you really want that guy and if you draft that guy this year and you do have an awful season and you're in position next year with the top pick to take lawrence are you throwing a pick away this year yeah i just i don't know to me lawrence and i mean maybe to a a lesser extent uh the quarterback for ohio state who shall remain unnamed uh that used to play at georgia um (laughs) we'll say his name justin fields um even him like do you look at fields and you say yeah i I like fields better than a tool with a bad leg and a justin herbert i i don't know um it it's such a huge decision for any franchise for the NFL to draft that quarterback high you have to hit if you miss it's not a one year or a two year problem it's a five year problem uh you can't win this league without a quarterback and if you have a quarterback on your roster at pretty substantial money for the next five years you have to let that play out because the only way you keep your job as a coach or a general manager is for that guy to work out so it's not like you can get to practice in the fall and go oh this guy ain't the guy we wanted we'll just have to get one next year you won't be around to make that pick thank you so much for listening to the podcast today As I said at the beginning, I was hopeful and I am hopeful that over the next few days, these small little podcasts can just be an escape, not only for you, but I've said many times, I do the podcast for me. I have to get this out. Uh, It's been a very difficult time for all of us. And so enjoy the first round tonight. I will be back with a first round reaction, second night preview podcast tomorrow. And uh, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep pretending like the NFL draft is the most interesting thing in sports because, well, right now it absolutely is. Thank you for listening and stay safe.